Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings. Start off the same every week because it is the same every week. It is the opening intro to our show. But a little something different happened. I'm speaking to a producer, Dion, and he says, man, he says, you sound old and tired. And I said, man, you are right. Then he tells me how old he is. He's a young pup on the way up, and I'm an old man on the way out. He made me feel bad. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to wipe my eyes, and I'm going to make it, make it all happen. And I'm going to make it, uh, I want to pick a few winners this week. But my man Dion, he puts everything together, and uh, anything good is all due in part to his effort. So, Dion, thanks so much. Greatly appreciated. Winning Pony is doing well and more than just hanging in there. Say the same thing every week because it's actually out there for you to check on to. We'd like if you would. Better than $8.2 million in exotic paths in 2010. Can you believe that? 2010 already? I mean, what happened to the 80s? I don't think Dion was born, but, hey, what happened to the 80s? $8.2 million in 2010, and it's never too late for you to get on board. We're on Twitter, Facebook, online at www.winningponies.com. We have blog stories, free selections. I toss them out there for the Belmont tomorrow. They are out there, free selections. And, of course, the color-coded tiered selections. They're very easy to follow. If you're a new player, you're a hardcore handicapper, you're going to like it. It's easy. It's fun. And more importantly, it's effective. I've been with them since 2008 and enjoyed every second of it. Check it out. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. It's winningponies.com, more than just an Internet radio show. It is an all-purpose, one-stop shop for horse racing. It will make your day a winning one. What's on the docket for this evening? Recap of last week. I'd like to give you a little rundown of who won what. Just the big race, that is. And then we're going to talk about the biggins. Biggins are what we hope that you took down. Biggins are the, are the predictions and the payoffs. Hope you were aboard. Special guest this week is a man of racing. Started off as a fan, an intern, made his way up to a big-time racing exec. Now he's back as a fan, professional handicapper, professional tournament player, and a very good friend of mine, Mr. Robert Forbeck. Going to be joining us, very well-spoken. Intelligent indeed. Hope we don't catch him too much in the middle of the Miami-Pittsburgh game because he might. Uh, if he starts a hum, uh, uh, mm, then we're going to know that he's watching the game. Robert's a very good friend of mine. I think you're going to really take in his enlightening views. He's, uh, he knows quite a bit about what the players want and need. He's been on both sides of the coin, fan and racing exec. So stay tuned on segment number two for Robert Forbeck. 
And then we go from news from around the world of racing. And then I got a neat little opening story to kick us off with. But we are going to kick it off with a little bit of a recap of last week. Start on September 18th, race 9 at Belmont. It was the Garden City Stakes, grade 1. Mile and an eighth on the inner turf. Winner of the one. Check the label. Ramon Dominguez betting around 30%. This guy's in fuego. Three parts of a length. He wins. Firm hold at three wide at the 516th. Kicks clear. Pays four bucks to wins for Graham Motion, who's once upon a time one of our guests here on this wonderful show. Woodbine, September 18th, race nine. The summer stakes up at Woodbine, a mile on the turf. Mark my word, you're going to hear many runners that come out of this. And they usually are heard on Breeders' Cup Day. Winner of the summer stakes is the four pluck. Garrett Gogo Gomez wins by a length. Swept by about a furlong out, paying seven bucks to win for Todd Pletcher. Five to two is rare from the Pletcher barn, especially in Stakes Company. Woodbine, September 18th, race six. The Natama Stakes. Once again, pay attention on Breeders' Cup Day. These races are always part of the action. A mile on the turf in the Natama. Winner, the seven. New normal, Javier Castellano is the pilot. Wins by a length and a half. Held and lightly handled. I think he had a lot more with this gal here. Paying fifteen eighty for Mark Frostag. Tortured them for years in Canada. When he used to come to Keeneland, you'd see those red and gold silks just tearing them apart. Woodbine, September 19th, race number 10, the Woodbine Mile, grade one, a mile on the weeds, $1 million. This is an incredible bit of action here. Winner is the four, Court Vision. Robbie Alvarado flying up for the big cabbage. Comes from out of the clouds, winning by a length and a quarter. Block surge to the lead, paying 1660 for Dick Dutro. Welcome to Canada, Robbie A. I wonder how they paid him. And I'm sure it was a big, bad check. Woodbine, September 19th, race 8, the Northern Dancer Stakes. Mile and a half on the turf, 750000 only three-quarters of a million. Winners of the five, Redwood, Michael Hills. Michael Hills, if you're not familiar with that name, he rides in Great Britain. Wins by a half a length, steps slow at the stretch, bid driving, 580 to win for Barry Hills. Could there be a relation? Hopefully so. They took down the cabbage. Woodbine, September 19th, race four. The Canadians takes a grade two event. Winner of the three, Miss Keller. Javier Castellano is the pilot, a length and three quarters to the good. Drawing clear, ridden out for Roger Atfield, another Canadian name who just has tortured them like crazy. Belmont Park, September 19th, race nine. The Noble Damsel, grade three event. One mile on the turf, $100,000 up for grabs. Winner is the one, strike the bell. Now, see if you remember this name, Ramon Dominguez. He's winning at about a 30% clip, and I'm not joshing. I'm not embellishing. I'm not stretching the truth. This guy is just tearing them up. Wins by a length and a quarter, four wide, at the quarter pole with confidence. Paying 1080 to win for David Donk. Here's a little tidbit for you. David Donk is doubly tough on the turf. His numbers are not going to set your hair on fire. But trust you me, he's really good in the claiming ranks when he's dropping down. Now, he's not going to be batting 98%, but in fact, he's one to watch. Run down the biggins for you. Friday, September 17th, 170 total biggins. 
Cinnabar Downs, race eight, Superfecta, seventeen thousand seven ninety four eighty. Good pickings there. Saturday, September eighteenth, one hundred and forty seven total biggins. Lone Star leads the lead. Race seven, a Superfecta, eight thousand eighty one dollars and eighty centavos. Sunday, September nineteenth, one hundred thirty five total biggins. Zia Park Race One, Superfecta Key. Grab a hold of this one, $22,959.60. And if you're seeing a little trend here, they're not pigeonholed into one category races. They bounce all around. Winning podium is very effective. Hope you're aboard. Monday, September 20th, 58 total big ends. Prairie Meadows, race number two, a super effective, 5,261.60. So we had a little piece of that. That would make a nice weekend barn burner. Tuesday, September 21st, 60 total biggins. Fort Erie, race 8, Superfecta Key, 3,995.10. Not too bad for Fort Erie. Wednesday, September 22nd, 75 total biggins. Charlestown, I call it Charlie Town, race 4, Superfecta Key. Hold on tight, $26,473. And then rounding out Thursday, September 23rd, that is today, 52 total biggins. Louisiana Downs leads the pack thus far because racing has not concluded. 16,203 in race number three. Louisiana Downs, the big easy, and they took it down pretty sweet. And as I said, the exotic predictions now with today's clicker, 8298449 bucks, and that's in 2010. we got our man Robert Forbeck on hold. We're going to grab him in segment number two. My main man, Robert, I think you're going to enjoy hearing what he has to say. I have for years. And if I don't, I just tell him I do anyway. I think you're going to enjoy it. He uh, gives a full perspective on the sport of kings. Got a little note here. Venerable trainer Noble Threewood dies at age 99. Horse trainer, humanitarian historian. Nobody put together as long and meaningful a life as Noble Threewood, who died this weekend at age 99. Born February 24, 1911 in southern Illinois, agricultural town of Benton, Three-Wit trained more than 2,000 winners after taking out his trainer's license at Agua Caliente, Mexico in 1931. He saw the great Australian far lap race there in 1932. Called the Methuselah of the West Coast Racing, was at the opening of all five tracks in California, Santa Anita, Hollywood, Del Mar, Bay Meadows, Golden Gate, as well as openers at Long Acres and Emerald Downs in Washington. Three-Wit, a staunch advocate for stable workers' rights early in his career, served six terms as president of the California Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association, 16 years as national vice president of the CHBPA. In more recent years, he served as the president of the California Thoroughbred Horsemen's Foundation, which provides free medical and dental benefits for stable workers and their families at Santa Anita. It sounds like a man that no matter what money, what achievements, he never lost focus of what counted the most. He took care of the people on the backside who needed the most, free medical and dental. I mean, that, that's incredible. I mean, these are things you don't hear now. Fellow horseman employees describe Three Wit as a good trainer and even better human being. For decency and humility, the unassuming Three Wit was second to none. Three Wit chuckled. That when media representatives wanted to know anything about racing since the Civil War, track publicist confidently sedative to his bard. 
sounded like he was greatly respected. Three Wit trained dozens of stakes winners over his year. He rose each and every morning at 2 a.m., spent 50 years at Santa Anita Barn, adjacent to that of the legendary Racing Hall of Famer Charlie Whittingham, with whom he was very close friends with before his death in 1999. He used to tell people that one of the wonderful things about this business is that you meet people from all walks of life. Three Wit told the Thurber Times in January 2002 that included meeting actress Mae West when she played the role of a jockey in the 1934 Paramount Studio movie, Gone to Town. Noble Three Wit passed away at 99. A life well lived. I think we could definitely take a, take a whole lot about that. If you noticed, it didn't talk about how much money he made, what he did. It talked about what he did for others. And the racing game and, and life needs more of that. And as I've said so many, many times, that uh, racing has so many special people involved in that. And Noble Three Wit, you will be missed, age 99. And speaking about a special person, we're going to be grabbing him right after our first break. And it is time to head out to our first break. And when we return, our special guest of the week, I know he's on hold, Mr. Robert Forbeck is going to be joining us here on Winning Ponies. Well, I'm walking to the room, passing out $100 bills and a kills and a three. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. Thank you for taking your time to be with us this evening as we talk about thoroughbred racing, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. You know which side of the coast you live on. And if you don't, now you do. Winning Ponies is honored and pleased to have on as our special guest this week, a man who began as a fan and in turn made his way into the upper management ranks and is now a contest playing professional and professional handicapper, Mr. Robert Forbeck. Robert, are you there? Eddie, I am. Pleasure to be with you. It is a true pleasure to have you on. Robert and I, have, we've, uh, we've worked uh, a spell or two together, and uh, it was like prison time, but hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, all... I was the warden. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Something <laughs> told me you were going to take the, the assuming role of the upper hand there. <laughs> but thanks so much for taking your time, Robert. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with you and learning from you for, uh, for many moons and uh, working around you and for you. Can you tell our listeners how a lad from Ohio wanted to go to work in the thoroughbred racing industry? Well, Eddie, I, uh, my, my grandmother started taking me to the races at uh, River Downs right here, uh, your, uh, your place of employment, when I was about seven, six, seven years old, and uh, it just kind of went off from there. I'd go with my grandma in the summer times, and my dad would take me to uh, Latonia, and I remember him, uh, he and I sitting on the steps one day, and I was about, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, and him teaching me how to read the racing form, and it kind of just took off from there, and that's uh, I always had a fascination with the races. I loved it, and it was something that um, even when I wanted to, uh, I knew that I wanted to do when I got a little bit older from an early age. So it was um, something that's been in my blood, I guess you could say. For the record, and when it goes on podcasts, it's out there forever and ever and ever. Bob Forbeck's one of the nicest guys at the track. He's, he's the opposite of you. He says very little, and when he does, it actually makes sense. <laughs> And his wife, Carol, is a sweetheart. And, uh, and, and you are blessed, my friend, with a, a lovely family, your wife, Teresa. You have young Quentin, who's with you, and Houston and Gracie. So you're probably one of the luckiest guys, even if you never make a bet. So uh, you're, you're a winner all around. And as I said before, I had, uh, had the experience of working with you and, and learned a lot. And, and I know we had a whole lot of fun. Robert, we did radio together for, I'm going to say, uh, five years, maybe six years. Uh, do you miss that uh, weekly racing voice? I do. I, you know what? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, um, you know, I didn't necessarily love at the time because if you remember when we were doing the turfway thing and we had nighttime racing at seven at night on Friday, so we wouldn't get out of there until about you know midnight, twelve thirty, and then we had to turn right back around and be at the radio studio about eight o'clock in the morning, uh, and then head right back to the track. That that kind of wore on you after about two or three months. But I love doing the show, uh, doing the homework. You and I had a great time together, and. I'm glad to see you're still carrying on the torch. Well, and, and I'm glad to see that you join me up again here. And, uh, and a little later on, we're going to pinch your hiney for a couple of winners because I know that uh, you have more than just a couple. But, that, you know, if I can at least get two out of you, I'll be happy. Robert, after about 10 schools, <laughs> and I, maybe 12 colleges you actually attended, you finally graduated because I think, you know, your dad said, it's time to get your head straight, young man, and you landed in Kentucky at first, I believe, and then you went west, young man. So give us a little path of Robert Forbeck after you graduated from college and 
from Kentucky to all points west. Well, I, um, as you said, I, after about my fourth or fifth college stop, I ended up at the University of Louisville in the equine administration program, something that, um, you know, it, it kind of changed my life. It was something I had seen the ads in the racing form many a times, going to the races and saw that little ad in there and finally made the decision to find out what was going on with that program. I uh, went down there. While I was there, I interned at Turfway Park for uh, our good friend uh, Damon Thayer, now Senator Damon Thayer. And um, they hired me out of college upon graduation, and I uh, helped bring the race book around when it first uh, opened at Turfway. And then I was lucky enough to um, meet with Mike Mooney, who was the director of uh, publicity out at Hollywood Park in Santa Anita, and he offered me a position, which I went out and worked for, uh, for a little while out on the West Coast, got to work at two of the most beautiful racetracks in the world, and then uh, got a phone call from Damon uh, shortly thereafter that he uh, wanted me to come back and um, kind of get back in the marketing department with him, which is what I had wanted to do in the first place. And I came home and decided, to, um, you know, to, it was, it was, and I loved it. I mean, it was a thrill for me to come home and start working at Turfway Park. It's a place I'd been going to since I was a little kid when it was, was Latonia. And uh, it was an honor, and I, and I loved it and learned a tremendous amount from Damon and from all the people there. And um, I'm hopeful that the state of Kentucky can get its act together and, a place like Turfway can get back on its feet again. In fact, we both are hopeful for that, and I know the entire state is, is watchful and actually had the, uh, the pleasure of speaking with Senator Thayer today, who I believe is going to be on, uh, on a radio show here in a couple of weeks, if uh, Damon's, uh, Damon's uh, schedule permits, but he, he has agreed to do so gracefully. He's, he's uh, really come a long way in the game, and, uh, he, and, he, and he helped you along in your professional endeavors. Tongue-in-cheek when I said it took you about 10 schools I think racing was always in your blood, and I think you were looking at education at one point, but I think uh, the, the call to the post actually called you back into the game, and, you know, uh, school's, uh, school's loss is definitely race, was racing's gain, and uh, you definitely left your mark and uh, did quite a few places, and still to this day, you're, you're a hard uh, guy uh, to miss because uh, you spend most of your time gabbing with, uh, with old folks and old friends. Well, you know, that's one of the, and I heard you talking before, uh, before I came on about Noble Three Wit and the, the comments he made about, you know, one of the greatest parts about the, uh, the thoroughbred racing and being at the racetrack are just all the different kind of people you meet, and it's completely true. Uh, you meet a, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's just a collection of folks. You just never know who you might encounter and what their background is and what they might do for a living, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun because you, uh, you know, you get some people that you wish you never ran into before and then folks that, you know, 10, 15 years later you still run into and you could just stop, you know, and talk about the horses. And, uh, I mean, I just, I love being at the track. There's, to me, there's no better place to be. Agreed completely. And, uh, you made a great portion of your life and, uh, now you have, uh, I'm not going to say relegated. Now you've just changed gears and you're a professional handicapper and congratulations for qualifying for the NTRA DRF uh, contest in Vegas this year. Uh, you play in very few contests, and uh, you uh, not snuck in. You uh, played against some pretty heady competition at uh, Keeneland. Congratulations, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's something, you know, my dad did it a couple of years ago. He won a contest at Turfway and qualified, and, of course, you've qualified before. And, you know, you, you and my dad both never uh, missed a chance to rub it in my face, <laughs> and I had never done it, so... It was a huge weight off my shoulders to finally get it done. And, you know, the, the, I missed first place in the contest by 40 cents for all those folks that have played in the contest before. 
you know, that's, that's not a lot of money, but, uh, you know, I gladly took second place and uh, can't wait to go out at the end of January. You know, I would like to play a more contest, but with uh, the family life here, it kind of prohibits that. You know what? Uh, at least you at least you have everything and your priority is straight. That or your wife has your priority straight for you. Either yeah, which way, I'm, straight, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Either which way, I'm happy that it is going the way. Robert, when you were at the helm of communication and marketing at Turfway Park, it was a very exciting time. It was uh, it was taking a, taking a trip back from just a racetrack. There became a very exciting uh, uh, tri ownership. It was uh, G Tech who actually was involved in uh, the Lottery Corporation uh, around the world. And uh, then there was Keeneland, and everyone's heard of Keeneland as the gold standard of racing, and Harris Casino, I mean, a, a worldwide casino. They've actually come together. I mean, there are so many things and so much energy was there. The reward program that, you know, that you, that you started and you saw and, uh, you know, racing, how it changed. You know, we were doing radio. There was very few things that you didn't have your fingers on. Well, you know, I was quite fortunate because, as I said, when I came back and I was working for Damon, and that's right around when the ownership change took place and Jerry Carroll sold the, uh, the track to the, to the three, threesome that you just mentioned. And uh, Bob Elliston, who's still currently the president at Turfway, came in and, and took over and uh, was um, gracious enough to offer me the opportunity to kind of take Damon's place when he left and become director of marketing and communications and to not only work with him and learn from him, which I learned a tremendous amount from him and will forever be grateful to Bob, but to also work, as you mentioned, with the folks from Keeneland and Harrah's and GTEC, which are all three leaders in their industries. And uh, just, you know, those, those five or six years that I was there, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade those for the world. Nor has your uh, thumbprint left. It's, uh, it's still there and it's still evident to this very day of uh, the, the many hard hours of work that you put in and, and all the fun that we had as an exciting staff coming together and making it all come, come to the new level that uh, it just went from an old racetrack with, with garage doors to a, to a swinging race book and a happening place in northern Kentucky. Robert, changing gears a little bit, as a fan contest player who's made his way and qualified for the tournament, once again, congratulations. <laughs> Are tracks doing enough with promotions such as handicapping tournaments to entice and uh, and for the players that really want to take part in this? Are we doing enough? Well, you know, I, I think there's always always com- more that can be done. I mean, if you look around the country, except for some of the boutique tracks like the Keenelands and the Saratogas and the Del Mars, I mean, those are the type of places that no matter what the economy is or what's going on in the country. I mean, those places just, you know, they have to open their doors and people will come. You know, unfortunately, we, we see places, you know, like River Downs and like Turfway here at home that, you know, they're up against the competition of, you know, casinos all over the place and they're not on a level playing field. And, you know, it's, I, I certainly don't want it to get to the point where to say where tracks have to have casinos and slot machines to, to compete but I think if you look at the places like, like Turfway, what they do on Friday nights when they, they race in the evening, they do happy hours and make it almost like a, a nightclub atmosphere. And you can attest to the fact that, uh, I mean, they get a heck of a crowd out there on Friday nights. Um, and, and places like, you know, Del, or Hollywood Park has done that for years and years. Um, and I know uh, Churchill started doing it this past, or last year, but especially throughout the summer this past summer, and I was – fortunate enough to go down there for one of those, and it was a different, completely different type of vibe than what you might get on a Wednesday afternoon at the track. And I think that's what the racetracks need to do nowadays is to 
to market the product differently to get younger people there. I mean, that's something that we say that we've been saying for 20 years, but it's, you know, to continue to have a life in the racetracks to exist, they have to attract younger people. And it's not going to be by racing on a Wednesday afternoon at one o'clock or on a Thursday afternoon at one o'clock when most people are working, you got to bring the product to the people and make it accessible to them when they're, when they have free time on a Friday night or on a Saturday night or something like that. So, you know, I think the tracks need to cut down on the racing dates and put it out there as more of an entertainment option than just being open during the week at 1 o'clock when the only people you're really going to have out there are the same old guys that are going to be there every day, and they've been coming for 30 or 40 years. To get, attract new people, you have to do different things. Agreed completely. I, I, I think that we always need to be focused for the future, and we need to build that new that new segment of player, and we, we, we have our tried and true. We still need to reward them justly, and we can reward them differently, but then it seems like about every track out there is going for, for lack of a better term, dollar beers and the bands and in the more festive environment. But would you have ever thought you've seen the day when you look at Keeneland and you see such a, a menu of wagering that is second to none, or would you have ever thought that there would be nighttime racing at Churchill Downs? Ten years ago, we I mean – we would have not have thought that 20. I mean, how long ago was it when Keeneland finally got a track announcer? It really was not that long ago right? in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, those are the things that you have to do to survive. I mean, Keeneland would always be there, but, you know, you have to do those types of things with the, the competition that is out there from casinos and lotteries and, and you name it. You have to put the, the ability for folks to, you know, win large sums of money. And, you know, the, the beautiful part of it to me about racing is the is the thinking process of it. I mean, you know, anybody could go and pull a slot machine or scratch off a scratch off lottery card. I mean, that that doesn't take any talent, but to actually sit down and and handicap a race and try to put the pieces together and then to actually see something, you know, come together as you envisioned it. I mean, to me, that's what we got to try to sell people on is the, is the fact that it's there's more. It's not just a game of chance or this that or the other. If you actually put the time into it you can be successful at it. And I think that's something that a lot of other places can't offer. And, um, you know, the, the question is, is how do you, how do you sell that? It's a good question. It is more of a cerebral game. Take a look and just take the daily racing form. A few weeks back we had Steve and Chris on. And we're, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be uh, stepping up, and we're, we're going to be having other folks from the daily racing form as, uh, as, as guests on. And I don't think – for Mr. Christ, after chatting with him, that uh, that in fact, excuse me, Andy Byer, and I'm going to be having on Stephen Christ. Forgive me, I, I had it backwards there. I don't think there's two fellows that have not left such a mark in in as far as books that we have all read, or at least have heard of, if you've not read, that they're trying to entice you. This is a cerebral game. There's no mindless. There's no numbing. Just a flipping of numbers or cards, or if you can count to 21, you can play blackjack. This is a game where you actually you take a look, you, you break down the information, and you plan from what happened in the past and try to predict what happens in the future. I see it more of a thinking player's game. Well, you're absolutely right. I get laughed at about this sometimes in my own house, but I, you know, I, I, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, it's, it's almost like you know, being on Wall Street. You know, people that are you know, they're stockbrokers for a living, they do their homework, and they try to predict what companies are going to do and we're best we're best to invest their money or other people's money to you know plan the races is the same exact thing 
if you follow the races, you know, follow the horses and the jockeys and the trainers in different circuits, and you keep notes or you have stable mail or something like that, and you do your homework, you can, you can make money. And, you know, you and I, having worked at the racetrack for all those years, have seen people of all kinds, you know, do this and be very successful at it. And, you know, that's something, again, you can't get that pull in a slot machine or, or, you know, in some of those other endeavors. How many people have you ever heard hollering for two minutes during a slot machine pull versus a race? You've never heard it, have you? Not at all, unless you know, unless they've got the jackpot or something <laughs> like that. Jackpot, then it might take about you know it might be hollering for about twenty <laughs> minutes at that point. <laughs> well, when it pays you know twenty million dollars, <laughs> then it's a whole different ball game. Exactly. But you know, if if you're following the stock market, you're following the money. You're a wise you're a wise investor at the racetrack. You do it. You might be a chalk eating weasel, and or you know it's it's just a thinking person's game. I love it. I think it, it entices the both of us for the same reason as well as many others out there. Robert, you, you touched on something here, and your opinion, and I want to know your opinion, I ask practically every guest about slots and VLTs. And uh, are they practically the fix-all or just the Band-Aid for racing's problems? They're, they're a Band-Aid, and I think you can see it in some of the states already that uh, really took off when slot machines or VLTs were passed and they were put in the racetracks. You know, the states see the revenue that these, these machines are bringing in and they start to think, well, why are we just going to subsidize racing with this revenue when the, the rest of the state needs it just as bad? And some of these states already are, are pulling back some of the money that was going to racing, and they're using it for other parts of uh, the state economy. And, you know, with the way the economy is now across the country, that's probably going to happen more and more often. And that is not attra- attracting new people to the races. You're getting some – I mean, if you go to some of those places – the slot rooms might be full and there's nobody in the grandstand. That's not helping racing. I mean, the only way it's helping is by subsidizing the purses, which at some point is probably going to go away. So you've got to come up with stuff to sell the races and the experience. The, the slot machines and the VLTs and the casinos, I mean, they might be a great supplement now, but that's certainly not an answer for the sport of racing. I, uh, I fully, and, I, and I've said it because we see things so, so much uh, in a similar fashion, and take Monmouth. Now, how they how they receive their purse structure was the casinos supplemented and subsidized by by the racetracks not looking for VLT slash slot machines. They subsidized their purses at Monmouth Park. Now, very few people really knew this. Only people that really day in and day out and really read the rags and and understand they know where the money was coming from. But there were some monstrous purses this past summer at Monmouth Park. I think they've shown us so many models of less is more, and, uh, you know, what it, it kind of dilutes it down where 10,000 claimers are running for $48,000. It's great for the owners, but it kind of diluted the waters a bit. I agree. I mean, you know, there was that. I think that the summer was just an anomaly. I mean, it, it did a lot of good. It hurt New York. I mean, I think we saw that with uh, Belmont and, uh, to a lesser extent, Saratoga, but it really hurt the, the Belmont card in the summertime. And, you know, there's no reason $10,000 claimers should be running for forty or $50,000. And, you know, like you said, unless you're an owner of one of those horses and you hit, it's the greatest thing ever. But, um, you know, what, what's going to happen with Mammoth next year? You know, are those subsidies still going to be there? And if not, then what do they do? So, again, that's not fixing racing. That's just putting a Band-Aid on it you know, until hopefully they come up with something else. you got to be able to stand on your own two feet. 
Very true. And when you allude to the Band-Aid, a Band-Aid, when we keep referring to that, it gives you a chance to catch your breath, to try to remarket, refocus, and and, and kind of fine-tune what you have here and better promote your sport so it stands alone, so you're not as heavily using this as a crutch to keep racing alive. Band-Aid meaning it allows you to get your standing aid count like a boxer would to draw a breath, to come back fresh, and say, here we are again at a time when we need it the most. You're right, and you know, hopefully these places that are being subsidized right now, that management at those facilities are taking the time to realize that this isn't the cure-all and they need to do something to promote racing. And, you know, I love the sport. You love the sport. Anybody that's listening to your show right now obviously is doing it because they love horse racing. And, you know, the, the industry needs to come together, which is something that it has never done. There's, you know, constant internal fighting amongst all factions of the sport, which hurts it. And, you know, and there's a lot of just, and not to, you know, take shots at anybody, but there are a lot of people in management within the industry that have been in management within the industry for 30 or 40 years, and they think the same way that they did when they first got into it. And they're not looking at it from a fresh perspective. And just because maybe they don't know better. I mean, they, you know, they want racing to be like it used to be, and it's never going to be that way. They were once upon a kid, the only kid on the block, and and they were the big they were the big kid because there was no other competition out there. There's so many different factions under the same racing flag. If there was ever a time that we needed to be less divisive and hold hands, you know, literally and and actually come together, and it's now. It, it, there will not be a tomorrow if there is not a now. Robert, as a as a father of three, I, I know that your time is pressing. I have two final questions for you. One, if you had a quick magic wand, a one-two punch, a Robert Forbeck magic wand, and things that the industry would implement right now, we start tomorrow at noon, what would they be? Uh, well, it has nothing to do from a marketing standpoint. One thing that we need to find uh, something to, to change, is, and this is just from a, a horse player standpoint, is the changing of odds once the race takes off. That is something. There's nothing more irritating, and I think you would agree that mm-hmm. you know you have a horse at at what you think is a fair price. Once he loads into the gate, and then they you know they've got a half mile to go, and the final dump comes into the pool, and he clicks down you know um, to eight to five or six to five or something like that. When you had him at two to one or five to two, or or if he goes from ten to one to six to one, I mean, there's nothing more aggravating because it's costing you money, and I, that is something that. companies um, need to work on, and so that's just from a, a handicapping standpoint. And just from a marketing standpoint, again, there has to be a way to get the generation, the, you know, the, the, the young folks of today are all about instant gratification, and that's not something that you, when you first start going to the races, you're probably going to get. You might get lucky and pick some numbers and hit something, that, uh, you know, a trifecta or superfecta or something like that, but we got to get people involved into the actual art of handicapping and the thrill of you know putting that puzzle together and again the question is how do you do that you got to get them out there first to have a good time and then hopefully you capture their capture their attention uh the racing does just like happened with you and happened with me and you know i've taken i don't know how many of my buddies i've taken over to the racetrack over my years that are now they they love playing the horses 
And I think that's what it takes. You got to get word of mouth, and you got to get people taking their friends out, and you got to entertain them, and then hopefully you turn them into uh, horse players. Something we both subscribe to: treat the people fairly, just as though we want to be treated. Give them a great entertainment venue to actually enjoy the races, and I think that's about half of the battle: treat the and, people fairly and customer service. I mean, you got to yes. take care of people when they're there. You can't, you know. I think all too often people go to the track for the first time or so, and they're they're lost, mm-hmm. and they You're don't right. have anyone there to help them. And I think that's something else the tracks need to do as well. Final wrap-up question: uh, A man who made his racing livelihood for quite some time and made it quite a mark. What advice would you give an up-and-coming intern or student wanting to enter our sport? Well, you know, you got to you got to stick with it, and you got to stay stay away and not listen to all the negative that goes around you all the time because there's going to be a lot of negative talk, you know, with probably within the facility that you're working at from perhaps from the your coworkers. You're definitely going to get it from the the uh, the patrons that come out. You and I both know that, you know, if someone's having a bad day at the track, you know, a patron's having a bad day at the track, they're always they're looking for somebody to take it out on, and, it, you know, it might be you if you happen to run into them at the wrong time. But just stay the way up from all the negative and try to think of ways to promote the positive because there are a lot of positives for this game. I agree completely. Robert, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time this evening and enlightening us, or our listeners, that is, and myself with your views and, and your thoughts. And, and personally, it's a pleasure to, to talk horses with my friend, uh, who's been a great part of my career. Thanks so much, Robert, and we're definitely going to be seeing you and your beautiful family in the Winter Circle soon. Eddie, great show. Keep it up, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. You got it. Thanks, Robert. Robert Forbeck, man of racing. Time to head out to a break. When we return, we're going to be talking some news and final furlong handicapping here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Hope you caught Robert Forbeck. As you could probably tell, very, very good friends. Enjoyed working with Robert. Reminds me of another gentleman, John Englehart. I've enjoyed working with both. And uh, to me, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun enjoying the people that you actually work, uh, work with and you know, trading back ideas, learning from, hopefully uh, sharing ideas and coming up with things. When you hear John and I chatter-chatter about horses, you can tell that there's a great deal of respect and friendship. Same with Robert Forbeck. Hope you kept uh, kept in tune there. He's a man of racing, loves the game through and through. Got some news for you here. We're going to talk a little bit of news. We're going to talk a little bit of handicapping. We go out right to 57, and I believe it gives us a little bit of time. Saw something here. John Englehart and I actually saw the movie Secretariat. Had a had a little bit of a wonderful opportunity to see the movie. I think the family's going to love it, by the way. If you're a hardcore fan, you may not have that, uh, that uh, you know, catching that, uh, catching that well, I'm going to say Seabiscuit bug, but I think the family's actually going to love it. Thirdly, fun facts about Disney's Secretary. I was kind of reading over there. It says it takes five. There's five horses that played Secretary, four thoroughbreds, and a quarter horse. The replicate Secretariat's white signature markings they had to paint distinctively white socks and a facial white stripe and star on the horses each day. Five of them. Nose to nose, Nelson Ellis, Eddie Sweat, which was, I'm not going to spoil it all for you, which was the groom, secretariat, experienced a very close relationship with all the horses, sometimes a bit too close. He was nuzzled and bitten in the stomach and stomped on. He paid the price. He was a real groom in this one. It says, discovered one of the horses that played secretary in the film, Trolley Boy, was discovered at the true Hollywood fashion after winning a secretariat look-alike held at the Secretary Festival in Paris, Kentucky. Puzzled. The cast and crew of secretary were addicted to crossword puzzles. John Malkovich, Diane Lane, 
they were a super fan brain of these. I like this part here. Peaches. This is called the fluffy blonde wig. They called it Peaches that Diane Lane wore during the film. I think you're going to like that when you actually see that. It, it's, a, it's really put together. In Double Duty, the head of the mega department, uh, Michael, Ma- Michael Mills, played a, a fellow golfer alongside John Malkovich's character, Lucian Lauren, lead horse wrangler Rusty Henriksen, not only cast the horses, but he portrayed a fry cook in the dinner scene. So they put a little double duty. And a little bit on Secretary. Big Heart, Secretary's heart was twice the size of an average horse. He won the Belmont Stakes by 31 lengths and holds the record time of 2 minutes and 24 for the mile and a half. And in Cover Boy, in a 1973 Weekly Magazine's Time Sports Illustrated Newsweek, all featured Secretary on their respective covers the same week. Secretary, coming your way. Take the family out and see it. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Ramon Dominguez off to a flying start at Belmont, seven days into it. He's been finishing in money at a Titanic 67%. As I said before, he's rowing at about 30%. Online handicapping contest players like myself, 27 more spots are being added. The NTRA is adding 27 additional bursts. They and the DRF. So you can join Robert Forbeck if you're lucky enough, if you can make the grade. I'm going to be giving it a try. Countdown to the boys to men. Steve Askin Haskin wrote a great article on thebloodhorse.com, and he talked about some runners here from the Todd Pletcher barn. Uncle Mo, he talked about uh, stay thirsty, just as the the famous commercial "Stay Thirsty," my friends, from the Dos Equites commercial and uh, from the Todd Pletcher barn. So you know, those are a few from Dick Mandela's barn. You know, they talked about one named Acafella. And they say, don't let him sail without you. And he's going to be sending that crown of thorns and the good wood stakes. And it kind of, uh, kind of starts getting your blood pumping for the Breeders' Cup. It's already hard to believe here. And it says, remember the good old days like five years ago when September was big Saturdays in every racing? Well, Naira and Belmont and the tradition is gone. And we're going to be cramming it in to those final couple of weeks. So you're, you're going to be getting some decent races, but then it's all going to come at you in mega form. Now I read something here that kind of caught my eye. I went down to Kentucky Downs. It's a beautiful undulating track, a European-style race course in Franklin, Kentucky. Hannah, and, and if you're a Hannah member, you're rating tracks around the country. They're rated number two. Hannah rates number two. Kentucky Downs, you have to put this place on your bucket list. I took my dad and had a great time. We played in the contest. Can't say that we took down the cabbage, but we had a great time. Undulating European turf course, and they are ranked two by Hannah. Hannah, very respected in the industry. Time for some handicapping here. We're going to fire it out there. we got about four to five minutes here. We're going to throw it at you. Belmont, race seven. we got a $300,000 late pick four. These last four minutes. In the seventh race, I'm going to go with the one, down Don Balcasio. The one, Don Balcasio. The two, Giappi. The six, Screenplay. And the nine, Thought. So I go one, six, eight, nine. In the seventh race, my dad told me, he says, you know, throw the horse's name in there, Ed. Just not the number. The eighth race, I go three, four, five, eight. The three, Devin Rock. The four, Cherokee Speed. The five, Missing, Lisa Lewis. Rounding out with the eight, Harmonizer. So I go three, four, five, eight. So it's four by four thus far. 
the ninth at Belmont, the Gallant Bloom. It's a grade two. I go with the four, Qualia. I love this filly here, Rajiv Marat. And I'm also going to throw in Rapport. Martin Garcia and Bob Bamford traveling to New York is double, double dangerous. So I go four by four by two horses. The tenth at Belmont is a, is a conditioned uh, turf race here. And I go three, four, seven, ten. The three is on Zane. The four is Tiger Willie. The seven is Ty Gresco, and the ten is Brad's, my hero. I go four by four by two by three. That's four ra- four horses with four horses with two horses with four horses. It's a $128 ticket. It's a $300,000 guaranteed pick four. I guarantee you'll get your money back. Calder, it's been very sloppy down there. If you're going to play the turf racing this weekend, play races that runners who like a little give to their turf. And I'm going to start in the eighth race at Calder on Saturday, mile and the 16th, $65,000 stake. The Judy Red Shoes in this race here. I like the eight. That's Lady S, a big-time closer. Luis Gerardo in the yards for Juan Rizzo, two for two at Calder, but loves the off-going. Lady S in the eighth race at Calder. Ninth race. It's been sloppy, but I'm going to say they'll probably have it by fast if Mother Nature will comply. I go with the four. Beso Grande, Luis Gerardo, and the irons for Stephen Demuro. Three for three in the money at Calder. Love the action on this two-year-old filly uh, by Mass Media. That is my selection. The four in the ninth race at Calder. Tenth race at Calder. It's also on the weeds, and I can't stress enough, do not forget that Mother Nature was very unkind, and you're going to want to play runners that like a little give to the track. That takes me to the three fly by Phil Eddie Nunez for Kathleen O'Connell. One last time on a yielding turf course, and if you go three back when they took the race off of the turf and they ran on a fast track, but yet we know there is plenty of moisture in it, wins by ten and a half. I think that this real gelding by active duty fly by Phil in the 10th race at Calder looks the part. 11th race at Calder, the foolish pleasure. I like number eight in here. And the, the eight caught my, caught my attention. A very speedy uh, two-year-old Colt, rough and royal. Luis Saez in the irons for David Braddy. Rough and royal in the 11th at Calder. Ninth race, Parks Racing. That's Philadelphia Park to you and I, and they changed it due to the casino, as Dick Girardi brought up last week and painted it out. Fully forced in the ninth race. I like the three, a three-to-one road hog in the ninth at Parks Racing. Kendrick Caramouche uh, shipping in from Monmouth Park for uh, Edward Allard. Uh, blinkers on. I love the blinkers on. A solid work last time out. Road hog, a three-to-one on the turf. Kendrick, catch him if you can. Tenth race is the Turf Amazon. Very nice race indeed. And I love two runners in here. The one, Rose Catherine, who winning ponies gave out uh, in, in fine fashion and won impressively. It's three to one on the reel. I love Rose Catherine, but I'm going to box up big time with a five. Dubai Majesty. And then we finish out the 11th race at Parks, the Pennsylvania Derby. I am all over the six first dude. First dude is eight to five. First dude gets the candy, but you can't leave out the three. A fleet again. So I take first dude and a fleet again in the Pennsylvania Derby. That is race number 11 at Parks or Philadelphia Park to you and I. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. This week is no different. Winning ponies would like to thank Robert Forbeck as our special guest. 
Be sure to tune in next week as we'll be chatting with publisher and chairman of the Daily Racing Forum, Mr. Stephen Christ. So until then, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.